We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everybody. It is Kirk Henderson, Josh Bowe, and Jeffrey Cooperstein tonight following the Mavs' second straight loss to the franchise-altering New York Knicks. I don't really know what to say about this game. I uh, ended up uh, working the first half and had it on kind of in the background. Then in the second half, I screamed at my TV. Um, I'm going to let you guys kick this off. So, uh, Josh, why don't you uh, fire away with how you feel about that amazing loss? Uh, it was ass. <laughs> it was it was the most ass. I don't know if I could say it any better. It was the fullest ass. I mean, that, I think think that's that's what I have to say. We can wrap it up. We can. I can go to bed now. I good mean, podcast. Good, yeah, that's a good podcast. A, a minute and a half. Well, let's let's start with. Uh, you know, normally I try to start with the happy stuff, but you know, I I can't after after a loss like that. Let's let's start with what you feel like was the was the biggest issue that game go ahead jeff you were pretty mad when we were in the pre-show so you you can lead off i don't i don't even know like i don't i i'm like too mad right now to pinpoint a specific issue but the fact of the matter is you can't lose to the knicks twice in six days it just can't happen if this team has playoff aspirations like we all know they do you cannot lose to the new york freaking knicks twice in six days yeah, I, I would have to say for me, it's it starts with another piss poor start. Uh, we all laugh like like it's incredible when you see both in our slack and online where everybody's going, oh, no, why is Dwight Powell starting? And then what do you know? Uh, he gets his butt kicked in the first quarter. That's not his fault. He shouldn't be put in those situations. So the Mavs go down a little bit early. Their offense is ugly, which some of that was the Knicks just kind of playing out of their minds. They were really excited. That was interesting. Uh, but the other part, I just don't, I don't understand. In a with a team that clogs up the lane like the Knicks and with their kind of big, you know, they have like nine power forwards. 
Powell's vertical spacing is useless because he doesn't even he doesn't do anything. He's just kind of hanging out in the dunker spot. And of course, he got a few passes down there and blew early layups. He ended up rounding out the game all right. But it's just like getting off to these bad starts against bad teams. I don't understand how this keeps happening. Uh, maybe the Mavs just aren't as good as we thought. <sighs> Josh, you you should talk <laughs> about that a little. What 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 is what is your D? What what do you think it was? Because you were you were like like 2013, Josh. It was great. What listen? <laughs> how mad you were? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. I think the thing that makes me really frustrated is they lost to the Knicks last week, and you can. I don't like doing this, but you can. You can do what you want and throw up your hands and you can shrug and you can say, oh, I was just one of those nights. The Knicks hit a bunch of mid-range shots. They hit a you bunch of threes. You They're can't not say good. that, though. I, or for me, at least. I don't think you can say that. No, I, I don't. The, the, the Knicks are a bad team. And it's there's. I understand they had a – for them, they had a lot to play for tonight. This was their game seven of the finals. But the, I, I, I can't. It, I can't get it through my head that they lost to them not once but twice. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. So like after that first loss, I will I don't accept it, but I will chuck it up to the random variances of an 82 sure. game season. I will give you I'll give you that even if I don't believe it, I'll just give it to you. But then this game, like when you know, the Mavs had two days off. They've been in New England, you know, they were in Boston. And then in New York, so they've been in the you know New England uh, northeastern area for for a whole week. They've been getting questions about it all week. They've probably had this game circled on their calendar for a while. At least Kristaps has been thinking about it. Like this wasn't a surprise to see the Garden going nuts and for the Knicks to be treating this game like it's their Super Bowl or it's like their game seven. Fun. Like there's nothing surprising about that. And for me, the Mavericks being down in the first quarter isn't. What upsets me, what upsets me is how slow, how lackadaisical, and how uh, unenergetic they look to be playing that game to start the game. Uh, yeah. Know? And yeah. that's the part, like, you know, hey, if they're missing shots, if they're, you know, they're not playing well, if they're sloppy with the ball, all that stuff, hey, you know, I'd be like, you know what, the Knicks probably come out like gangbusters and they're they're hyped in this first quarter or whatever, I get it. But it wasn't that. It was the way they looked. It was the body language. It was all the stupid intangible stuff that I sometimes hate talking about all the time. But it was totally that in the first quarter. It was yeah, totally that. It was absolutely. all absolutely. That. And that's that's not uh, that's not specific to this game either. They've had that similar start before, where they're just they're not doing the little things. They're having dumb turnovers. They're they're turning it over. They're taking all the seconds on the shot clock and taking bad shots from five feet behind the three point line. And like you said, they this game has they've known this game is coming for a few days. They've had two days off to prepare for the game and prepare for the hype that was in the garden, and they just didn't come out ready, and that's inexcusable. Yeah, yeah. I I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the stats here, and again, the Knicks. You know, they they crushed they crushed Dallas on the boards. Uh, nine more rebounds in total, and they beat you know only only three more offensive rebounds, but the Mavs still gave up 15 offensive boards. These are not the sort of things that winning teams do. And I want to make a broader point that I think is is sometimes lost with some of the people we converse with. Teams that make the playoffs do not lose games they're supposed to win like this. You That's cannot right. have two losses like this in your first 11 games. This is the sort of thing where if it's, you know, April 1st and there's six games remaining and the Mavs are a half game back, 
where we are going to be screaming into the void. Now, maybe that won't matter. You know, there's there's still a lot of time, but I I just don't understand, you know, what who they think they are. The Mavs have a particular style that they want to play with. That much we see. But Josh wrote about how they don't really seem to have an identity. And I, I think that's about right. The most the people who have the most consistent minutes are Luka Doncic. And then I think the second player is actually Tim Hardaway Jr. over Porzingis, just due to due to the way you know that Porzingis hasn't played a game and uh, uh, Hardaway and the foul trouble for Porzingis in that Boston game is kind of off. But like you know, a good basketball team does not feature Tim Hardaway Jr. Like he's not the only issue. You know, when you look at uh, Brunson and Wright, it's kind of hard for for us to you know, and even Curry. You know, the the three of those guys shot a combined three for 11 from the floor you know it's hard to be you know too frustrated with rick in terms of playing him you know in that game when when the other players are ineffective but it's there something is is just a little bit off and they can't it's really weird to see these losses coming you know you keep hoping luke is going to do something astronomical to save you but that's not a winning recipe right no and it's it's the stuff that when I mentioned this over the off season, when I was really mad, not I don't know, mad, but you know what I mean? Just frustrated that the Mavericks kind of took about 14 to 15 million in cap space and basically ate it, threw, ate yeah, it. threw it into the dust, into the wind and, and like a cloud of dust. This is kind this is why, like, I mean, you know, Dorian Finney Smith, three of four, seven points in 23 minutes. Fine. But yeah, only fine. attempts. Yeah. But you just look at Seth Curry, one of five, Kleba 0 for three, Brunson one for four, Wright one for two. I mean, these guys aren't even getting up shots. Like, it's not even the, you know, it's it's doubly bad. You know, they're missing shots, but they're not even getting up shots. And when you watch the way this team plays, it's Luka runs in action. And if he doesn't score, you know, the team is, you know, teams are starting to double him when he gets into the paint. And he's making these great passes. And as we saw in Boston, you know, when guys are hitting them, they're competitive and they almost stole a game on the road against one of the best teams in the NBA. And then when they're not, this is what it, this is what it looks like. It looks bad against a bad team. And there's just so many guys on this team that don't have a track record of being a good player on a good team. I mean, like Tim Hardaway Jr. Everyone keeps telling me if they can just get him back to when he was playing like Atlanta. I was like, man, that was like 75 games for one season three years ago. Like, what are yeah. we talking about here? Look, um, I, I actually thought Tim was pretty good tonight. He did hit that yeah. big shot to give the Mavs the lead uh, in the fourth quarter. But you're right. For him, it, a good team is not – Tim Hardaway Jr. is not playing the second most minutes on the team. Nope. And that's that's just a fact. Yeah, and, and it's like – and I want to say one thing quick because I see this a lot on the timeline. I think fans are starting to get oh, – they're over Seth Curry. And I, I even saw on the timeline someone say, like, hey, just sit him and play Brokoff instead. And I just <laughs> want to say something. Like, I'm at the point now where it's – I am complete. like, I am throwing my hands up in the air and I have no idea about Seth Curry's season because now he's starting – you know, he's starting – he's starting to get at least some minutes. You know, he's not playing, like, seven minutes like he was earlier in the season. He's right. been getting at least 20 to 25 minutes a game. And he's still, and there's, and it's nothing like there's no actions really run for him there. He there's, he, when he gets the ball, there seems to be nothing going on, you know, as in terms of his aggressiveness, so, you know, I'm not trying to just say this is a Rick thing or a coaching staff thing. Like there's just something off with the mm-hmm. way he's playing. And the thing is you want to say, okay, well, 
well, let's put someone else in. You, you, there's no one else. There's like no when, one you, else. when you look at Kristaps, you know, when Kristaps struggles, people aren't saying, oh, we got, well, I'm sure there are people because they're dumb people, but they're saying, oh, you got to bench Kristaps, play Boban more or something like that. Like you can't, like Seth is one of the guys on this roster where you can't look at someone else and be like, okay, we'll sit him, we'll play this guy. Like the roster's not built like that. The way this roster is built is it's not sit Seth and put someone else in. It's look at Seth and go, we have to make this better because if we do not make this better, we will not be a playoff team. It is not a, oh, just bench Seth and put someone else in. It's a, no, you got to fix it with Seth because this, he's, he was your second biggest offseason acquisition. You got to make it work. There's no one else on the roster that has a skill set that he has. You just, you got to find a way. And I'm just completely bef- like befuddled and confused and, yeah, I don't know what's going well, can on. Can we there. can we talk big picture things? I want to I want to talk about two things. The, the first I would love like, to talk big picture. The, well, well, actually, the the guys who who are who are ultimately going to be responsible if the Mavs win and lose games, and that's going to be Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Doncic played another outstanding game: thirty three points, ten rebounds, eleven assists. But here's the number that's telling for me: the guy shot three of twelve for three. He is now exactly thirty one percent on the year. He's hit thirty one threes out of a hundred attempts, and those He's three were consecutive. Yeah, he's got to dial these back. It, 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 he gets to the the rim at will. I understand that shot is there, but he, he they're not they're not going. And until they start going, until he gets on, you know, this is not this is not really helpful for the Mavericks. It, it's it's well, the only real critique I have about his game tonight is is that is is the the kind of threes he was taking. Well, uh, let, let, let me say this. Uh, let me preface this. Uh, Luca will not shoot less threes this season. <laughs> I, uh, I mean that. I, I will. I guarantee you that. In fact, they might go up a little bit because the Mavericks are going to live and die on the three, and whether you like it or not, that's just what's going to be the case. Look, as I as I see it, Luke is good for thirty every night. It where are you getting that other seventy to eighty from? You need to get Seth going. I absolutely agree, Josh. They need to find a way to get him involved in the offense, to get him open looks. And he, I mean, he's not even making his open looks right now. Um, again, he had the one great putback, which kept the Mavs right in the game. But they they have to find a way to get scoring when Luca's shots aren't falling. And at, at this point in time, I think we can say definitively he's not a great three point shooter. But he's going to take a lot of them, and so we're you're, we're just going to have to live with it because it's not going to change. What the other thing I wanted to touch on because I think you're probably right, and that's really the only criticism I can make of Luca's game. Like the fact that he only had three turnovers, that's one of his best like all around performances of the year. I think. Yeah. The other guy I want to talk about is Porzingis, and I keep talking about him. I think the fans think I hate him. I don't hate him. I, Wait, I, Kurt. I, yep. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I want to go one more thing on Luca before we go sure. to the KP. I, this is just a question that I have that I'm going to bounce off you, and maybe it, it'll take someone else, uh, one of our more uh, statistically inclined uh, friends on Twitter. But I'm wondering with the Luca and the threes, because I, my initial, my emotional guttural reaction to what you're saying is you are 100% right. He needs to dial back the threes. What I'm wondering is statistically, like should, you know, 31% on threes for him, are those still better shots than what shots he could be taking? Are they still more points per possession compared to maybe him going in the lane and throwing up a 10 or 15 footer? Like that's the one thing I'm wondering. He's not shooting those shots though. He's that's true. He's shooting so many of his shots at the rim. He's basically there every time, and that's what I mean. So he had ten makes tonight, and seven of his eleven attempts were inside the three point line, or seven of his eleven makes were inside the. I'm saying this wrong. 
Seven of his 10 makes were inside the three-point line. So he was essentially seven of 11 in, inside the three-point, which is incredible. Well, and, and I, here's, here's the – Luca is the poster boy for the Mavericks because mm-hmm. – in more ways than one, obviously. The Mavericks analytics people tell you it's either a three or a layup, and that's what Luca is. He's taking threes or he's taking layups. And, I, I mean, I, I, I understand the sentiment that he needs to dial him back because he's not making them, but – they don't want they don't want anybody, let alone him, taking ten to fifteen foot shots. Yeah, yeah and it's a one. I think what Kirk's point is saying is he's not saying he wants Luca to take less threes and take more mid range. He wants him to just dial back the threes and and keep the you know maybe replace them with more drives to the rim, more shots around the bucket because he's so good. He's unstoppable I, at this and, point, right? He is, and I almost wonder if him shooting, you know defenses are petrified of Luca when he has the ball out behind the three-point line because they do not want to end up on a highlight reel of him doing a you know a step back three banking it in or doing something crazy and I almost wonder if it's part of like he has to keep defenses honest you know I don't know it's almost like a chicken egg scenario is he so effective at the rim because defenses respect that three-point shot even though the percentages aren't there but the way teams guard him I know uh, Kirk you talked about this on one of your podcasts the way teams guard him is that more valuable than the percentage necessarily? And does he have to keep shooting this to keep that up? And that's just something I don't know the answer to that. I'm not trying to insinuate one way or the other. It's just something. Right. No, it's a good question. It's a good question, but you can go into KP now. I was just thinking out loud. Okay. So the thing that I'm, I'm curious about with KP is, is at a box score stat, if I'm a fan who's looking at this, I look at 20 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks and say, huh, Another pretty good game. I thought KP, when he was on the move, particularly his offensive rebounding activity, and generally when he wasn't standing still, he was a very effective Maverick. I think he's still effective when he's standing still in terms of drawing attention, but when he gets shots, at, you know, in post-up situations and off of the, you know, off of, off of pick and, and rolls right now where he's getting the ball kicked to him, He's just tentative, and it's not a good look. The fact that they went to him on an a ISO uh, to to you know for one of the game closing shots is a truly baffling decision. He is simply not good at these shots right now. I don't think he's good at them ever, if I if I remember correctly. But you know, it's a seven three guy, and we got to talk about how he looks like Dirk, uh, yada yada yada. I I just I'm I'm very confused. Like they they're obviously figuring out how to use him correctly is one thing i think playing him as a small ball five would be nice he's still playing power forward i, I just i don't understand what's happening here with I, him it's it's very confusing to me what do you guys think uh, it it's confusing because the way i thought they were going to end up using him because this is the way rick kind of said it before the year is that he's a four on offense but he's a four slash five on defense and mm-hmm. he'll kind of be able to switch and guard people they they i don't i don't think they've found what role he that suits him best and, you know, for everything that went on tonight, I actually thought he did play a pretty good game and handled handled the adversity well, especially after starting out slow again. Rebounded real well, that's true. Yeah, and uh, so all in all, I thought he had a pretty decent game, but they they still haven't found a true role for him, and they still haven't found just a rhythm with him yet, and they, they have to get him integrated more or else it's just not going to work. He played a lot harder tonight. I think that's a thing that I, I need to be to, to stay out loud that his effort sometimes is, is, you know, he just, he gets out of the flow of the offense and that just affects his whole game. Um, I, I don't, he's just too important to the team. And we, he keeps having these nights where he shoots, you know, tonight he shot seven to 17 for, uh, you know, for, for 20 points. It's not very efficient. 
And granted, it doesn't look like many of the Mavs are very efficient. So that's, you know, kind of the overarching problem here when you when you shoot 22% from three and again and miss all these free throws, there's there's just nothing, you know, there it, it it's hard to it, it's really hard to pinpoint a loss here because yeah. I think our fans are getting really fed up. And, you know, I'm very confused with some of their late game decisions uh, with some of the, you know, with how they're playing. I, I don't understand what's going on, um, yeah. but maybe you know i'm not a coach so maybe i'm missing something yeah kirk uh to go further on your point about kp on the move so entering entering tonight stats aren't updated for tonight obviously but entering tonight's game kp on zero dribbles is shooting 45 percent one dribble 42 percent two dribbles 26 percent three three to six dribbles 21 percent boy howdy does he do a lot of pointless dribbling to get bad shots yeah, so yeah. so that's barren what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's just it's a I think it's a weird awkwardness between his ideal role. I think right now might be he needs to be more of a spot up, you know, have his offense created for him kind of guy right now. Well, can we uh, have a Luca KP pick and roll for the love of God? Like we have <laughs> these uh, we have these pick and rolls where he's standing out on the wing, but he's not the screener. Like the, they don't run pick and rolls with Luca and him that often. Well, they no, they don't run it. I, 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 Frank, I can remember maybe one or two they ran tonight. It's just not part of their game yet. And they've, I'm sure that'll. Or I, I shouldn't say I'm sure. I hope that will change as we go in it, later into the season. I guess they're just not comfortable feeling each other out yet, and that's something they're gonna have to work on in practice and and try to implement it into the game because I don't, I don't think they want to roll it out if it's not gonna work. Well, and then another reason why is because when you play uh, KP with another big so often with Pal or Kleba, if you're not running a pick and roll, so if you're running a pick and roll with KP, that means Kleba and Pal are on their own. And we've seen continuously this season that defenses do not give a shit about any Mavs that are not Luka and KP. And so like if you're playing with Pal in the starting lineup, and if you're running pick and rolls with Luca and KP, what do you think Dwight Powell's guy is going to do? He's going to blitz that pick and roll. And they're going to try to blow it up. And it kind of limits the effectiveness of Powell. With Kleba, it's a little bit different because obviously he can space the floor a little bit more. And he's shooting. Entering tonight, he was like 40% from three. It's probably, you know, dipped under that after his overnight. But I think that's almost the reason. It's uh, Rick loves to run offense with uh, the five setting the setting the hard screen right. up top. And, and so and when you've got – but this goes back to Kurt's point, they need to play more KP at the five then if you're concerned about what Kleba and Powell do off ball. Absolutely. you know Rick, Rick loves that high five where Powell comes and sets the screen. Well, if that's Porzingis, the offense probably looks a lot more open and a lot more different. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't – I don't know about you guys. Let, I want to get your thoughts on this. I haven't liked what I've seen from Powell this year. I knew he wasn't. A, I knew he wasn't a great defender. But when he's not rolling hard to the rim and getting those easy dunks and layups, and he's not like like we talked about before the season, he's not spacing the offense out. W- what is his purpose? I well, let me oh, go, go ahead, first, because you're a, you're a you're a, a Powell lover. So we're we're gonna get a Powell hater, uh, which I've been you know called a few times. <laughs> Uh, the Knicks are a particularly bad matchup for him, which is why I don't understand why he played this much. You know, they throw these big bodies in the rim and his verticality is just tossed out the window. Um, Can I go on a tangent for two seconds? Yes. This this is another incredible thing about how I can't understand 
The Knicks have nine power forwards and five point guards. How are they <laughs> able to win a game? <laughs> well, I mean the 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 K, the the Powell thing in particular. He even you know I, I want to say again he rebounded and had an had an, had an all right game. It's just it's it's very confusing because I don't think he is the kind of player that works against starters regularly. He's constantly feasted over the years uh, against second string second players. Yep. Yeah. And and that's you know that's fine that's that's who he is but I think they might be asking more out of him I also think he just he looks really uncomfortable a lot of the time it takes him like twelve minutes to get into a game because he catches the ball like he's a you know like he's a baby deer it's so there's just at least one or, but then he does something crazy there was a crazy play in the second half where he got a kick out from Luca at the three point line on the Nailed left wing. It. No, the three that he made, yes, but he also drove later in the game and split the defense and passed to Luca, who set like a uh, like a a fake screen and then rolled out in the middle of the lane and caught it for a layup. Like Powell is a pretty good basketball player. He's just, I don't know. I feel like he he needs a little more time than the Mavericks have to give him to get into the flow of the game. What where do what do you think, Josh? Uh, I agree with you. I think it's particularly amplified by the Knicks because, like you said, they have three power forwards that are all thick and meaty and can kind of limit what Powell is good at and really expose what he's, you know, bad at. Um, which what really confuses me is, like you said, you know, he plays this many minutes when you've got Kleba, who's a little bit more of a defensive-minded big uh, that you think could match up with a Morris or a Bobby Portis or a Julius Randle a little bit better. And then another thing is when he's on the floor – this is a thing the Mavs, the Mavs play a very conservative defensive scheme, and ter- especially in terms of the pick and roll. They love to drop the big back. Yeah. Uh, it especially makes sense when you've got KP. It makes sense when you think about that it is hard to play a more aggressive trapping style for 48 minutes because it just wears guys out. But when you've got bigs like Kleba, and especially when you've got Pal, and when you've got him in a game where he isn't going to be able to do squat on defense because he cannot guard in the paint straight up, especially against these bigger bodies, why aren't you trapping a little bit more? The Knicks play Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett with the ball in their hands a lot. They need to be trapping with Powell, using his quick feet, uh, using his strengths, using his quickness, his good hands. Powell has pretty decent hands on defense. It's just, you know, that's less effective for a guy who has to guard the rim a lot, uh, you know, in terms of steals. You know, get him out there, trap some of these Knicks ball handlers that might not be as experienced or well-adversed to pressure or handling those kind of defensive schemes. You know, mix things up a little bit, get him moving, you know, try to spark spark your team on one end and create some easy offense. It drives me nuts when I see the Mavericks have Powell just kind of drop back and play defense like he's KP or like he's Tyson Chandler. And it's just not that's he's never going to be good at the rim. Guys just score right over him or they score through him. And how many times, you know, have we seen Powell with his arms straight up guarding the rim and a guy kind of scoots under and scores under his armpits. And like that happens all the time. And, you know, especially not like tonight, I'm just not sure why you don't look at this Knicks team and go, man, let's trap their ball. Let's get Powell out there in space and let's use his quickness and let's, you know, let's beat the crap out of these guys because we don't think that they have the guards that can make the passes that can beat that kind of defense. You know, that's me sitting on the couch. That's what I would think that you would want to do against the Knicks team that doesn't have a lot of experienced ball handlers uh, on the floor uh, at once, uh, let alone, you know, just one guy on the floor that can do that. So that's kind of part of it. And then another part of it is, man, hamstring injuries suck. And when you have a hamstring injury, you're basically not doing anything until you are good to go because you do not want to tweak it again. So he basically missed all training camp all the preseason games, 
He missed about a, almost a, you know a week of the season, and now he's kind of, this like this is basically his training camp, and I think that's why you're seeing maybe some of the slow starts for him along with the bad matchups. You know, and you, you see him get going a little toward the second half. I think that might be part of it. So uh, yeah, it's just kind of twofold. It's the injury, and then it's I feel like the Mavericks can make better use of of his strengths on defense. You know, the ones that he does have. I think we could probably continue to talk about this game for a long time. I think that we should channel it in other ways if there are things. You know, they play again tomorrow night, right? And they play, oh, yeah, they play the, uh, uh, no, they play Saturday versus Saturday. The oh, Kirk, Kirk, we need, should we talk about before, you know, before we start wrapping things up or anything? Do we want to talk about uh, the Luka sitting for over half, you know, the, the way the Mavericks kind of manage his minutes yeah i think we should address it i don't really know what to say about it because we got so used to these interesting rotations with dirk where he'd play a bit sit for a bit play a bit more you know like they got dirk in and out of games a lot particularly during the final year so it's really weird to see luca play 12 minutes straight six sit six minutes play six minutes and and a half and then they just repeat that i'm not sure what they should do differently to be honest here's my thing it like yes you want luca to play more but what when he came in the game the Mavs I think the game was a one possession game when he came yeah out. it was fine they, they went they, the only thing they did stupid was go to Boban right out of a timeout correct no yes and and I think that's all you can ask for I mean they needed Luca to play that third quarter because otherwise they wouldn't have been in the game yeah so, and I I think I think we I think we have to remember is that Coach Carlisle above all else is very process oriented. And even though, you know, Doncic was on a, like, basically a flamethrower there at the end of the third quarter, he's not going to keep a guy in unless it's, like, game six of the, you know, of the Eastern or Western Conference Finals. Like, that's just not how he works. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I think that's the part of it for me is, like, I understand kind of they've got this, you know, I'm sure he works with Casey Smith, the trainer, and they've got a set plan for, you know, the best way to, to utilize him. Like you said, Kirk, I guess for me, just emotionally, just seeing him have an incredible end to that third quarter and then basically sit for 10 real-time minutes. And it's not the fact that, you know, when he came back in, yes, I think the Mavericks had a one-point lead. So it's not the fact that they, like, blew the game while he was gone. It's more that when he came back in, it he didn't look, you know, he kind of looked a little off. Like, he needed, he didn't have a, he had a couple of possessions where he didn't really do much and and the thing is, is you know when you when you bring it back in with five fifty left, if you have a couple of positions where you're not doing anything, all of a sudden it's two minutes left, and you know it's crunch time and and shit's getting real. And, and it's yeah, I think you're right, Kirk. It's one of those things where it's Rick looking at process over results and not trying to get emotional at a one game in eighty two. But I guess it it just it's it is just kind of weird, you know. Maybe you could tweak it tonight, but but then, you know, that could cascade into, into further bad decisions. Yeah. So it's just frustrating. But and I get and the, the thing about it is, it's like, I, like, I understand that they he needs to play more in the fourth quarter in order to get a, get a rhythm. Like, it, it, seem, it, it does seem to me like he comes, he comes in with less than six minutes left, and before he can even get his feet back in the game, like you said, Josh, they're in, they're in crunch time. And maybe that's something that he has to look at uh, down the road. Well, that certainly happened against Boston because he came back in at the six minute mark. Then something happened with Powell and then some, and it was like basically two solid minutes where he didn't get the ball. And that kind of when you win that, and that's a re I think that might be a little bit of a recency bias thing. It's, it's just challenging though. I think over overarching, you know, this was the stretch of games that the Mavericks were supposed to play well and they right. haven't, there's, there's no other way to put that. They just haven't played well. They played awful defense. 
They've played, you know, okay. What's what's ridiculous is that they still have an, an amazing offense, despite the, you know, in terms of ratings and rankings, in, in spite of some of these clunkers. So there's, you know, at some point you hope that Carlisle's right about process and that things click into place and they go on a little bit of a run. I think that's, I think, I do think that's possible. I had one of, uh, one of the guys in the timeline mentioned that to me tonight, but I'm very curious because, you know, when the competition increases at all, I mean, it's, it's just hard to see where they're going to pick up these wins un- unless somebody else falls out of the West. You know, the, the, the Spurs are like sitting under 500, the Kings are sitting under 500. And so is Oklahoma city and the trailblazers. Like the Mavericks are ahead of these teams. And, you know, all it takes is like one, you know, one team catching fire for a little while, and then you lose your spot. The Mavs just can't afford these sorts of things. Yeah. And really, when you look back at it, um, what, so dating back, you know, Cleveland, they ended up winning well, but they, that was a dicey first half. Uh, Orlando was a bad game all the way through. And I think they, they, they were so lucky to get to win that game. Uh, then they had the loss to the Knicks. Um, they give up, they kind of give up a, I don't know, they beat Memphis pretty handedly, but although, you know, defensively it wasn't a great game for them. And then lose to Boston admirably against a good team, but then lose another bad loss to the Knicks. So, like, they haven't really str- – I don't think they've strung together two games where you can look at them and be like, all right, that was good. You know, two good games they could be kind of proud of, you know, right. since maybe – you know, when they played New Orleans, Portland, Denver, Los Angeles, and they had some good games there. You know, it just feels like they haven't been able to kind of play a consistent 48 minutes uh, for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, yeah. Well, Coop, do you have anything else to leave us with before we get on out of here? Man, uh, they need to start winning games. I know it's super early into the season, and but it it just it frustrates me to no end. And this is obviously like a super – super fanboy take but it just seems like when they have to win a game on national television it's always a one possession game and they always come up short and i don't know what it is but i'm I'm very frustrated at the moment i'm gonna hear about this tomorrow from my mother who who lives in kansas city she's gonna call me in the morning and be like and she's gonna say luka Doncic or how the heck was reggie miller mispronouncing it oh god that was atrocious my mother's gonna do that in the morning she lives in kansas city and she says wrong names all the time she calls the chief's quarterback patrick mccombs so i can't wait to see how she uh how she misproduces uh pronounces Doncic. okay guys so I, this was fun we went a little longer than we meant to but no actually no we didn't i feel better now um and i'm sure anybody who's listening to us tomorrow will be happy to have a friday podcast where you know we express the same general feelings because nobody likes losing um i'm sure we will be back i didn't have a podcast this week because i sucked at getting guests uh and josh and coop uh, we're all going to get back out here but you know what guys it's a long season just like the mavericks we don't want to get burned out um so once again if you can rate and uh you know rate and uh you know leave a comment on the podcast on any app that you uh choose us from look up mavs Moneyball podcast we appreciate all of your time and support and we will talk to you uh probably later this weekend Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.